This is the Amazing Starts Here podcast. That is Billy Harner. My name is Keith Rad. Today's guest is 19-year-old, second-round pick from last year for the Mets, Calvin Ziegler from Ontario, Canada. And uh, a man, you know, Billy, we've done this for a while now. We've talked to old and young and a young man who's certainly uh, very mature. Yeah, he's, he's from Ontario, like you said. He, he lives in a, in a town with about not quite 500 people, as, as he was repeatedly referencing. Uh, he just loves the game. And you, you talk to him, it just oozes out of him. Um, you know, to be that committed to, to a sport like baseball in Canada and what that entails in terms of time travel, uh, not going like back to the future, like traveling time, you know, driving to an hour and a half to practice and um, having to, to find people to play against. Um, he has made the commitment, lived on his own for a few months here in the U.S. He uh, trained on Long Island, uh, was pitching in Florida. He would train and then fly to his next start. Um, so this is not your typical 18, 19 year old kid coming out of high school. Um, he's got uh, well-advanced mentality on the game and uh, just life in general, I think. So it was very interesting to talk to him. Uh, I didn't know what we were getting ourselves into when you're talking to a, a kid that, you know, is just out of uh, secondary school, I guess that's what they call it in Canada, right? Um, and I was also interested to find out that um, even though he's a professional athlete, he's probably not his own father's favorite professional athlete. <laughs> That's right. More on that. You're really good at these radio teases. We'll call that a radio tease, uh, the best one we've had so far. But our conversation with Calvin Ziegler, who has not pitched in a game yet in his time with the New York Mets, hoping to do that in 2022. Calvin, so when did you fall in love with Max Scherzer, who is uh, now under the guise of the the New York Mets? Because I know he's one of your favorites. Uh, For me, that was... Quite a while ago, I'd say probably when I was roughly, say, 14-ish. Uh, it was kind of when I was going through a spell of, you know, I'm getting kind of good at pitching, whatnot. Uh, kind of need a role model, whatever. Um, and for me, me and my uh, my physio trainer, um, who's very baseball-related and kind of knows more about the sport of baseball than anything else, um, was like his lower half. Like, this is what this is what you need. Like, this is the guy. And I was like, all right, so whatever. Searched him up, you know, kind of just watched him pitch, um, saw his mentality, whatnot. And I was like, damn, like, this is the guy. Like, this is this is a guy here. And I was – ever since then, that was just my go-to. Like, who's your favorite player? Max Scherzer, not even a question. Because growing up in Canada, it's it's hockey country. But baseball-wise, how do you – how do you kind of set your path of who to follow and who to emulate and how to find people in town that also play? You know, how did, how did that all come about? Uh, I mean, I feel like, especially in Canada, a lot of it has to do with travel because um, there's not a whole lot of great programs like you'd get, say, in Florida, where it's kind of like, you know, just down the block, you got a great high school and whatnot. For me, it was for the good part of uh, my better years, uh, I would have to travel. I'd drive to London just to practice. It was just roughly an hour 20 from me. Um, and so that's that's just what, what you had to do. Like, we have guys that are much farther than me, closer to three hours, some of them. Um, and it's just what you have to do almost just to be able to get with the right coaches, the right players, um, and the right program. So, um, yeah, for the big thing is travel. Obviously you get some of the more dense places like Toronto where you get a little bit luckier, but when you live kind of in the smaller area, uh, like me and a bunch of other kids do, you, you have to travel. That's the only way, especially to get seen by, you know, higher end college guys or even major league scouts. You, 
you have to go to the States for that. That's even farther than London. That's at least an hour and a half flight uh, for most of it. So yeah, for a lot of the, a lot of Canadians, it's just all about travel. So how difficult is that for you, you know, growing up as a, as a kid in, in Canada where probably everybody's playing hockey, baseball is a secondary sport. How difficult is it for you to just, you know, fall in love with the game and, and commit to it when, when it's not as easy as, as like you said, playing in Florida or, or other warm weather areas? Uh, for me, uh, it wasn't terrible uh, just because I obviously I love the game. Um, for my dad, it was tough. Uh, Cause he's a major hockey fan. Um, we actually have a shrine of hockey jerseys just along this wall here. Mm. Uh, it's, it's kind of crazy. Uh, but yeah, like, so for, for me, it wasn't hard for my dad. It was because when I was younger, he put me in skates, you know, didn't like it. And then the story goes from there, you know, baseball was that second sport he gave to me. And it just so happened to be the sport I love. Billy, we always find one thing that, I just uh, I go off on a tangent on. I'm a major Patrick Waugh fan, uh, so I wonder how your dad feels about the former Canadians goalie who went to the Colorado Avalanche, won a couple of cups. But was that his jersey hanging up in your basement at 33? Yeah, yeah, four from the left. <laughs> yeah, that's my dad's favorite guy. Number 33 is his favorite number. Um, so that's that's his dude. I mean, he tells me a bunch of stories. Obviously, I'm too young to know. Um, but yeah, it was, that's his guy. If any, any sports player, I, I would say he's higher than I am. <laughs> so when you, when you're growing up there, I mean, your dad is, is he like a, an insane energetic, uh, fan when he's on the couch or he's, he's watching the Habs? Like, what does he, what does he like watching? A oh game? yeah. Oh, oh, it's, it's intense. Like he, he, has the energy as if he was the coach and he's like there on the bench with the team. Um, and for me, cause I don't follow hockey that much, you know, sitting on the, sitting on the couch beside him is sometimes a little scary. Uh, this past year when they made it to the cup was like the craziest thing. Cause while I wasn't even in Canada for most of it, um, I was in the States. Um, but you know, I'd get a random call and he'd be like, Oh, they're going to the second round. They just beat whoever, whatever. And I'm like, yeah, <laughs> you know, I'm gotta get get back. I gotta go lift. <laughs> but yeah, no, he is one of the biggest hockey fans, the most dedicated hockey fans I think I've ever met. Um, it doesn't matter; they could lose every game of the season. They feel like, yeah, I'm a Habs fan. It, it is what it is. <laughs> the reason I ask is because I, the seeing the draft video of you getting selected. I mean, your dad is going nuts. I mean, rightfully so. But oh, yeah. I'm wondering if he's watching you pitch in Florida when you were at the academy or in Canada, is he also going nuts, you know, on a sideline on a grass field somewhere, you know, losing his marbles like it's uh, the third period of game seven? Uh, I don't think so as much. Um, obviously, I wouldn't see it because whenever I'm playing, I'm kind of more focused in on the game, not what my dad's doing in the stands. Um, but at the field, definitely not, um, especially kind of at the level I was. Um, but I feel like as I progress up, you know, maybe that first major league strikeout, yeah, that might be a big one where he's up and jumping. But uh, kind of when you get like those phone updates, it's like, oh, hey, you struck two guys out, whatever. It's like, oh, hey, like good job. It's not like you don't get that same tension, if you know what I mean. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's kind of hard to tell. So we talked previously, you know, you said you're from a, a town that has 500 people almost. Uh, yeah, less than 500. Point. Less than 500 people. 
Um, so you're from there and you, you end up coming to the States and then doing a lot of work down in Florida and uh, you've spent some time here in the Long Island area. What was the adjustment like for you coming from uh, Canada, coming from a place with 500 people to uh, you know being on your own basically down in Florida and then training up here in, in the, the New York metro area? Uh, it was definitely adjustment, um, mainly because when I was down there, it was tough to just get places a lot of the times because um, obviously I didn't have a car with me at the time. Um, uh, but getting a ride was, you know, you got to, you got to Uber, you got to find someone else to help you out. Um, so that was one of the hardest parts, uh, like food and stuff wasn't crazy hard. Um, you just go to one massive grocery shop, almost like you're just living at home. Um, but for a lot of the part, it was kind of just getting to meet all those new players. Um, cause it's not like I came down with five of my buddies to do this. It was me. And then I met a whole new group of 30 people and then, all the other teams I played on, you know, that's another 25 at least. Um, so yeah, just trying to adjust to the environment and the players was, uh, one of the things that was a little tough. Um, wasn't tough after about a week after I get to know the guys and kind of got into a game and just kind of was like, Hey, like this is what I am. So let's, let's go do what we can do. So you talked about like how, you know, you're traveling far to just practice, to, to find somebody to throw with, you know, as from a young age, and then you're traveling, to another country, basically, to, to get some of your, your high school games in and to get, get seen and get drafted. I, like, at what point in your life were you like, I love baseball so much that I don't mind any of this stuff? Like, wh- when did you really start your, you know, your love affair with baseball? Um, I mean, like I said earlier, it's, it's always been there. Um, I feel like it got really, really serious once, uh, once the draft really kind of got into perspective and we were like, hey, like, I can – I can do this. Like this could potentially be like my career, um, which was roughly about two years ago, kind of when I was getting more interest in the scouts. Um, obviously not this year, but 2019, no, tw- sorry, 2020 was a year I was eligible for the draft. Um, obviously didn't get drafted in it. Um, but yeah, roughly a year before that was when stuff was like, okay, like I'm willing to do what it takes to just get to that next level. And then we'll go from there once I get there. Um, so for me, it was once the interest was there, uh, from other people was really when I was like, okay, this is, this is the real deal. And selecting that Academy TNXL Academy in Florida, when you kind of made that decision to take your game to the next level, it's a pretty nice thing to have. I mean, it's, it's like you said, the high school world of baseball is not really a thing in Canada as it is in the States. So when you were down at the Academy, you know, how much of an emphasis is on sports and baseball versus just kind of your regular run-of-the-mill high school or secondary school? Uh, so with that, when I was down there, I had already graduated. Um, for me in Canada, uh, for my age and my birthday, uh, I'm a year uh, ahead of a lot of guys that were in last year's draft class. When I reclassed, I almost basically went even with them, maybe a little above. Um, but what, so when I got down there, I was done school. So it was just like, I have baseball to do and that's it. Um, so that made it honestly hard. Um, cause it's like, I'm not on a minor league team where I have a bunch of guys in the same hotel as me that I can go play with after or go do something after cause they're all in school. So, you know, I'd go train by myself in the afternoon and then play the game after. And it's like those extra 12 hours of the day, I'm like, I got to just find something to do to not be bored. Um, 
So that was honestly probably the toughest part of the trip was just finding something to do to fill in those extra hours. So what was the answer when you were trying to find something to do? What, were you a, are you a video game guy? Or did you stream yeah, everything on Netflix? What do you, what video you doing? games for the first probably two weeks of my four-month trip. Um, and then I was like, dude, like, I just can't do this for 12 hours every day. So uh, I brought golf clubs with me, and then I really just started – I'd golf here and there. Um, and I just tried to get out, out as much as I could. Like I'd go to the grocery store for two hours if I could just to, just to go look at stuff. Um, but yeah, it was like, there's, there's nothing to do. Like I, I, I'm not a nap guy. I feel like it just like breaks my sleep schedule up. So I couldn't, I couldn't even went to sleep. Um, but a lot of the times, um, I really worked on cooking as well. Cause that's something I picked up during COVID. So I would just take as long as I could to prep my food for the day. Um, and then the rest of the couple hours I had left, cause I'd take as many hours of the day as I could doing that. Um, I'd try to fill in with something else. I mean, I kind of, Billy, when you get to be, I'm not going to say our age, but, you know, 16, 17, 18, if we were sitting around for 12 hours, we'd be ordering nine meals a day. How did you not get fat, like, during that time? I know you're a growing boy at that time, but how did you not, you know, pack on the yeah. pounds? <laughs> um, I mean, for the majority of it, I was eating pretty good um, just because it was, I was down there by myself. Um, so I was like, when I went to the store, I wasn't like, oh, hey, like the snacks. I was like, all right, hey, I'll get my chicken. I'll get my steak. I'll get my salmon. I'll get my bulk rice. I'll get my veggies. And then I'll pack it in and bring it home. Um, so I feel like that was the big thing. Um, but I feel like the other part was I had a lot of clean snacks, you could say. Kind of not – I didn't grab, you know, a Twix bar. I'd try to grab something, something smaller, maybe like a beef jerky for say. It's not the greatest thing in the world, but it's better than eating – a bar of chocolate, I guess. Um, and that was the biggest thing when I got down to Florida with the Mets, um, was just trying to cut out those, you know, those bad snacks and just try to incorporate better ones into the mix. Um, cause yeah, like what, especially down in Florida when you're sweating 24 seven, um, eating is like the only thing you can really go to besides drinking water. So what was your, so for the fans that don't know, you were drafted in the second round in 2021, didn't pitch in a, in a game though. What, what, what was the experience like from draft day to sign day to to being in Florida? What what did that look like for you? What was your experience like? Um, so obviously draft day was the most memorable. Um, just because you know that's when your name's on the TV, everybody's cheering, um, and your name's just out there now. Um, I feel like sign day was uh, a lot more professional in an aspect because it's like, oh, hey, I'm meeting like the scouts. I'm signing the papers. Like it's official. I'm a professional now. Um, but once I got down there, um, I didn't know what to expect because you get all those stories from guys like, oh, hey, the minor leagues it sucks. It's this. It's this. Um, and so I was like, dude, I just got to go in and just expect everything but expect nothing at the same time. Um so really, it was get down there, meet all the managers, the coaches, get all my stuff, uh, and then met a couple guys, and the rest is it. Like, I didn't play in games, so it was kind of just bullpens to bullpens. Um, but yeah, after we got off the field, you know, we'd go catch a round of golf and then call it a night. Sounds like life in Port St. Lucie. I've, I've heard that story many, many times. <laughs> yeah. So what... What is what are you sort of most looking forward to to this season? Obviously, getting on the mound um, and and actually facing a batter in a professional uniform. Um, 
but you know how, how difficult has it been waiting for that moment you know to get to the point where now you're you're going to make that leap potentially here in the next few months to to be a professional baseball player uh yeah no it's it was tough uh kind of when i got down there because the expectations were for me to get into a game potentially later into my uh trip there um obviously um i didn't because you don't hear about any of it um so it was, it was kind of rough because about three, four weeks in, um, they were like, you know what, like, there's no point in throwing you out there and potentially risking something happening for, for the point of what, like, I wasn't going to prove anything those days. Um, so it was kind of just about getting my feet wet. Um, and that's how they worded it. Just get down there and get a feel for what the life is like. And then, you know, next year it's, you're in it for the whole year. So, um, that was tough kind of learning that I wasn't going to throw in a game. Um, but then I feel like it just makes it cooler. Like, you know, Hey, my first pro debut is going to be in spring training. Like um, it's going to be against a lot of legit players um, and guys that have already been in some organizations for a couple of years. So it'll just, the time will just be what it is, I guess. Yeah. What was it like to be in Port St. Lucie and, you know, see the locker rooms and just see, a, you know, spring training, but a, a big league facility and being around that. Um, oh, it was awesome. Um, I mean, nicest fields I've played on, uh, nicest fields I've seen. You know, you got TrackMan on all the all the fields, whatnot, and locker house. Or sorry, the clubhouse. Wait, the weight room is like it's just all the next level, and it's like I'm only at the bottom right now. It's not even like I'm up there yet. So it was like, like that's pretty intimidating sometimes because you're just looking like okay, like look at high school for some guys and it's like, they don't have one of these. And it's like, now I'm at the lowest level of what I can possibly be at. And this thing's massive. Um, and it, everything's, you know, as good as it gets, you got trainers there 24 seven, you got coaches who are willing to stay the extra hour to help you do something. So it's like, it's just awesome. <laughs> so you briefly mentioned, you know, trackman being everywhere, you know, as, as a guy who's been, playing in different complexes and in different countries and all over the place. How um, involved are you in the analytics of things and your spin rate? And how much do you pay attention to that stuff versus just going out there and uh, seeing what you can do? Um, I feel like I'm kind of that hybrid of, you know, I'm in it, um, but I still got to, you still got to be able to play. Um, Cause you know, it's fun to look at all the numbers to just kind of see, you know, why is my fastball good? You know, okay, it's because you get you have a really good spin efficiency and your spin rate's above average at, say, this spin tilt. Um, but then it's like you go into game and it's like, okay, but then why is it getting hammered today? It's like, oh, well, because you, you threw every pitch right down the middle. It's like, oh, oh, okay, that makes sense, I guess. But so for me, yeah, it's like, you know, you can have the greatest numbers of all time on TrackMan, but if you don't know how to pitch, it those don't really mean anything, you know, because – the ability to play the game is just different than what a little machine can tell you what the ball's doing in the air. This is a very old school uh, mentality. I know Billy Rich Donnelly comes to mind for uh, Calvin doesn't really know Rich Donnelly, but a, a guy who's been around the block that kind of says the same thing. I don't need an exit feeler to know if a guy hit the ball really, really hard and is really good. But, uh, but I like that. Um, I was going to ask you about the, the mental side of being a pro. Some of the guys, when they drafted out of high school, the American players, are so thrown off kilter by living on their own for the first time ever and then adjusting. Like you've lived on your own, as like you said, for a few years just doing baseball. So you think there's a little bit of an advantage going into 2022 
uh, just being ready for the the mental side of you know staying staying within yourself. Oh, 100 percent there is, um, especially with uh, our national team because I was on that for a few trips. Um, so like we're we're away from home for two to three weeks. Um, so you get a little glimpse of what it's kind of like to be in a professional organization and kind of what the life is like prior to being in one. Um, but then also, yeah, like, like you, uh, mentioned there, me staying in the States for that four month period, you know, it's almost like, you know, you're not at home. You don't have everybody there. Um, obviously my family did come down to visit me every so often. Um, but it's like, I'm, I'm alone for three to four weeks at a time. Um, and like, I didn't have a team that I was staying with too. Like I wouldn't minor league baseball. So it was almost a little bit more strict situation. It was like, you're alone, alone now. Like you're not, you're not with a team. You're kind of on yourself and you go play. Um, so I feel like with that, I have a little bit of an advantage uh, on some guys. Obviously college guys are a different story because they spent time away and whatnot. But uh, I feel like on high school guys and guys my age, I do have that slight edge. So we've talked a lot about baseball, obviously, and then your career to this point, but we also want to get a, an opportunity to learn a little bit about you and your personality and, and sort of away from the field. So um, we ask a couple random questions. So what's the last movie you saw? And uh, what's the movie you've seen most probably out of anything in your life? Uh, most would be uh, Endgame. Uh, I don't know. I just I love the Avengers love everything Marvel's made. Um, that's just, I feel like that's a very basic kind of one. Um, but the most recent movie, see, the problem is I don't watch a whole lot of movies, so I don't know. I, I know I did watch one recently. I can't remember what it was though. There had to be something on in the background when you were working out or something. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, probably. I mean, when I throw, when I throw a movie on a lot of the times, it's like, it's just kind of on for background music or like background noise. And I'm kind of just on my phone or something. Like the rest of us. Yes. Oh man. I can't even, (laughs) yeah, I can't even, I can't even think of the last movie it was. I, I know what the movie is. Like I could picture it. I just don't, I don't know the actors. I don't know the name. Just background noise. We get it. That's Um, all right. That's we've all been there. Don't worry about it. So out of the, the Marvel universe, who's, who's your, your favorite of the superheroes? Who's the guy that you think is most badass? Oh, I'd probably have to say Thor. It's hard to argue with. Yeah, I mean, he's a god. He's a he's a god. Everyone else was kind of just humans, and then they just became these super freaks. Hard to argue with. You mentioned uh, you've heard some minor league stories. The minor leagues are the minor leagues. Uh, what is the the weirdest or like you said, it's a uh, people say the minor league sucks or or whatever it may be. But what is the weirdest thing that you've heard about someone's experience in the minor leagues? Oh, make sure you watch out for for this or that. I don't feel like I've heard anything weird. Uh, I feel like because anything weird kind of stays with the team and the players um, to an extent, obviously. But one of the things that I did heard was like, oh, hey, watch out for like the amount of food you get because sometimes you don't get a lot. Or, hey, you're grabbing, you know, Wendy's for the next week because that's the only thing the team can find on the way to the game. Um, I feel like for me, that one might be a little bit tough if that's true. Um just because, you know, I'm not the biggest fan of fast food. Um, neither is my stomach. Um, so, I mean, if that is the case, I guess I'm going to have to do some some pre-food making, I guess. Uh, you know, container up some some food for myself for a week. I don't know. Well, I guess we'll have to see what that first road trip looks like. Do you have a favorite fast food spot? If you were to pick one. 
Fast food? Um, see, like, not a fan of any, really. I mean, A&W is the only one that comes to mind of me being like, hey, like, I could go grab something from there and not want to, you know, throw it up three hours later. But, like, besides that, everything else. I think from my perspective, I mean, I've, I've been in the minor leagues for basically 20 years because I'm, I'm an old man at this point. And the evolution of the food for the players and their nutrition and now having nutritionists and the snacks and all this, like it's been mind blowing. Like there are the stories that you've heard of. There's, there's no food. You got to eat McDonald's at 4am, that kind of stuff. That, that, that was a thing. But in recent years, I mean, we have a nutritionist that plans out food schedules. I mean, last year they had a pork chop for dinner. That was one of the best things I've ever had in my life. Like it was, it's, it's unreal. So there are terror stories. There are horror stories for sure, but I could, assure you that things have gotten much much better in recent years uh especially i know in the mets organization because that's what that we deal with so uh you'll you'll be all right i think you know we 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 get to to nosh on it a little bit ourselves so we survive another fast food restaurant for me would be tim hortons it's kind of a canadian one um i feel like that's one of that's that's one of the fast food restaurants that i actually feel like kind of takes pride in like good food i guess you could say um so that one, if it's like, oh, hey, I got like a two-hour, three-hour road trip, that one I'd be fine with because I know what I'm getting. Starting to branch out here in the in the Northeast, at least. We got some Tim Hortons around here, too. So you'll feel right at home. Yeah. <laughs> really? Yeah. I yeah, didn't know that. Yeah, they're starting to pop up. A lot of like I gas that stations. Was a Canadian exclusive. No, like in, in gas stations and stuff like that. They'll like at rest stops, at least in Tim Hortons. So you'll be all right. We can point you in the right direction. I mean, my like close to my town, besides Toronto, we just got our first Chick-fil-A. <laughs> like uh, I think it was last last summer. That's always that's always the favorite. Yeah, and yeah, Chick Fil A and Chipotle are like minor league dream meals for the team. Yeah, that's fair. Chick Ch- Chipotle, sorry, is is a pretty good one. I have to say that's probably one of the higher end, like kind of more that A S tier kind of place. Um, and Chick Fil A for me is like I don't know, it's just it's Chick Fil A. It's really good, but I feel like I can't eat too much of it, or else I'm like you know, it's a tough day. <laughs> It's it's wild to me. So like when rehab guys come to the minor leagues, they typically buy the post game spread for 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 guys. So over the years, we've had people buy steak dinners and like delicious Italian food, and guys are just like meh, whatever. But guy comes in and buys Chick fil A or buys Chipotle, and it's like he's a god. You you would think <laughs> yeah, right. This this all of a sudden like you know somebody drops a hundred bucks a head on a meal for something from a steakhouse. All right, thanks. Yeah, whatever. Somebody drops twenty bucks for a burrito bowl, and they're a god for the rest of this person's life. So, <laughs> if wild. that, I, if I, twenty I, bucks. Yeah, exactly. Another question, quick question: Classic video game you remember from being a kid? Something that maybe you don't play now, but you know, it's just that nostalgia. It just grabs you. I wouldn't say really classic because there's a lot of them, but for me, when I was younger, Modern Warfare Two was probably the best game I ever played. Uh. I mean, when it came out and when I was playing it, I, I sucked because I had no coordination with my hands to my brain fast enough to compete against anybody else. Um, but, you know, I'd hop in lobbies with my older brother and he would – he'd, he'd win for us, I guess. <laughs> so it was, it was awesome for me. Uh, but for him it sucked because I'd, you know, get like two kills a game and then die 45 times. But it was what it was. <laughs> So let's let's flash forward a few years. You know, you you've made it through the minors. You're up in the big leagues. Who is a guy that you would be most excited to face as a, a pitcher on the mound? Who's who's a guy you're looking forward to facing uh, in in the batter's box? 
See, that one's tough because, I mean, for me, it's like I feel like when I'm pitching, it's just kind of like go with the game plan. So I feel like it doesn't really affect what it is. Um, oh, I'm trying to think of like somebody I have who's like a favorite position player. But as a pitcher, I don't – you don't really have one of those. Um, obviously, I could say Trout because, you know, it's, it's Mike Trout. Like who wouldn't want to try to face Mike Trout and see what happens? Um, I wouldn't personally. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's cool. fair. It depends on how close to arbitration I am at that point. Um, if it's after arbitration, I'm fine with facing him. But if it's like a year beforehand, I'm okay. Um, well trained. He's well trained. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we, we, we've learned. We've learned. Um, but I feel like probably either him or like probably a Stanton, somebody who hits balls 500 plus feet and batting practice and whatnot. And it's like, hey, like I'm coming at you and you're going to try to hit one back at me i guess so here we go that's a, that's a good one i'd also be terrified to face him but i think that's probably why you're a professional athlete and yep and i watch you play for a living <laughs> I'd, I'd be fine <laughs> with an l screen out there if i have to pitch to him though that, that, that's one that i'd be okay with yeah i'd want like one of those like the knocker balls you know like the hamster balls that i have to throw out of that just to keep myself extra protected i think yeah <laughs> uh, well, Calvin, we appreciate you coming on, taking a little bit of time. Uh, hopefully, I'm sure you're looking forward to facing a real live batter for the first time in months and months and months uh, coming up for the minor league season. But good luck to you this year, uh, wherever you may land. Thanks for coming on. No, I appreciate it. Thank you guys for having me.